Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Matthew. Hey there, friends and faithful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the P40 Ministries podcast this morning. This is your host, Jen. And I'm going to do a quick recap before we actually begin talking about the scriptures today. So we are going to be reading Matthew chapter 20, verses 24 through 34. This will finish out the chapter. But because I kind of stopped in a weird spot last time we discussed Matthew, which was on Thursday, I uh, need to do a quick recap about what happened, just so you guys aren't lost. So basically... The mother of James and John, or the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and she was like, Jesus, Lord, can you do this great thing for my sons? Can you, when your kingdom comes, put one son on one side of you when you are ruling and the other son on the other side of you for eternity, pretty much? And Jesus was like, yeah, no, Uh, I can't do that. Actually, that is only granted by my father. He's the one who has the authority of who's going to sit on my right and left when the kingdom comes. And so he's basically like, yeah, no, you're not going to do that. But he asks James. James and John, he's like, are you guys able to suffer the way I'm going to be suffering? But he didn't put it in those words. He said, are you going to be able to baptize with the same baptism that I am baptized with? Or are you going to be able to drink out of the cup that I am about to drink out of? And they, not understanding what Jesus was saying, was were just like, yeah, yeah, of course we can do that. <laughs> and they weren't really thinking about what Jesus was saying. They didn't understand. And so Jesus was like, well, yeah, you're going to, but uh, still you can't sit on my right and left hand. So after this happens, the other disciples become really indignant or angry with those two brothers who were disciples. All the disciples, the other 10 disciples were mad at at James and John. And Jesus calls them over and he starts talking with them. And actually, I'm not going to continue because I haven't read it yet. But let's go ahead and read uh, Matthew chapter 24, all the way to verse 34. I will be reading out the W.E.B. version of the Bible this morning. When the ten heard it, they were indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the nations lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you shall be your bondservant, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As they went out from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, you son of David. The multitude rebuked them, telling them that they should be quiet. But they cried out even more, Lord, have mercy on us, you son of David. Jesus stood still and called to them and asked, What do you want me to do for you? They told him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Jesus, being moved with compassion, touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received their sight, and they followed him. 
So as I said before at the beginning of uh, this podcast episode, basically the 12 disciples, or the 10 disciples I should say, were angry at the two other disciples who had asked Jesus of this thing to sit on his right and left hand. And so they were really upset because, you know, maybe they thought that these disciples were just crossing the line and asking for something that they wanted and were just angry about that. Or maybe they were upset because they actually thought that Jesus was saying that they might get that in in the future because he did say like yes you are going to drink out of the same cup that I drink out of the cup of suffering basically and and the disciples just don't understand yet they they don't have a good grasp of really who Jesus is and what his purpose is for coming to earth they still believe that Jesus is this conqueror that's going to conquer the Roman empire and free them and become the um the king of Israel, pretty much, which, yes, he is the king of Israel and will be reigning on his throne at the end. But that is not what Jesus's purpose was. And we understand that now. But at the time, it was really hard for these disciples to understand Jesus's purpose, because what they were taught from the very beginning is contrary to what Jesus really was. They were taught that there was going to be this great Messiah that was going to um, raise up Israel and uh, conquer all of their enemies and uh, just be a peaceful land forever and ever and ever. So that's what they believed Jesus was coming to do, but that was not Jesus's purpose. So he says to the disciples after they become angry with James and John, Jesus calls them all together and he's like, okay, so basically you guys are doing something wrong. And he's like, you know, evil authorities and the authorities of the Gentiles, they lord it over the fact that they are in authority. And he's like, I have given you guys, you 12 disciples, authority because you have the spirit of God. You have authority, but you are not supposed to be like these Gentile rulers or these people in authority here on earth. You are not supposed to lord it over other people. You are not supposed to do any of that. You are supposed to be humble. You are supposed to be the servant of other people. He says to the disciples, it is not going to be like that among you. You should not assert your authority to other people and lord it over them, which basically means to kind of brag about your authority or gloat or just show how much authority you have. So Jesus is telling the disciples to do the opposite of this. And at the time, especially in the Gentile regions in uh, Greece and um, Roman cultures at the time, humbleness was not a virtue. In fact, it was a way of showing that somebody was actually weak. They believed that if you were humble, you were a weak person. So when Jesus talks about the the Gentile nations and the Gentile rulers lording it over uh, other people that they are in authority, this is because that was what the Gentile regions at the time believed. They believed that if you had authority, you should show it. And that humbleness was not a virtue. It was a weak thing. You shouldn't ever be humble. You're a weakling if you're humble. And so Jesus says, though, that that's not the case. Humbleness does not show a sign of weakness. And we know that because Jesus was the most powerful person on earth and also the most humble person on earth. So Jesus is showing that humbleness is not weakness. He says it's actually the opposite. Those who are humble on earth 
are going to be the rulers in heaven, the people who don't lord it over other people that they are, uh, you know, in authority, even though, yes, the church does have some authority here on earth. It should never be lorded over other people ever. And so he says, it will not be among you. He says, whoever among you, meaning among the Christians, wants to be first. So wants to have authority, wants to have power, popularity, anything like that. Whoever wants these things, they are the ones who are going to become servants or slaves. Even though you might want this stuff on earth now. Because let's be honest, who doesn't? There are very few people on earth who truly don't want recognition or praise or something. I mean, we want to feel loved by others. We want to be praised when we do something good. You know, it, it's it's a hard balance because we want those things, but they are not necessarily good things, even though we want them. So Jesus is telling us to not strive for these earthly things, but to strive for heavenly things. Once again, this is kind of the same thing with storing up your treasures in heaven rather than on earth, because earthly treasures fade. They pass away. They're not going to be good for very long, but heavenly treasures never pass away. They are eternal and they are something that we should be striving for. So this is just Jesus's point when he brings together these disciples and is like, you know, don't be like these people who are in authority, even though I have given you authority, be humble, be a servant. And he says, even I am a servant. He says, I am about to give my life as a ransom for many. Now let's talk about that word ransom for a second. Ransom was actually a word to describe a payment for a slave. So when Jesus says that he is going to give himself as a ransom for many, this means that he is going to buy slaves and free them, basically be the redeemer. He's going to redeem the slaves. And who are the slaves? Well, that's everybody. <laughs> we are all slaves. In fact, Paul says that we are slaves to sin. So basically, Jesus is purchasing us from that sinful nature so that we can have eternity forever with him. I like to say, if any of you have read some of my devotionals that I've done, I like to say that sin equals death and God equals life. Sin is the death giver and God is the life giver. So sin is what Jesus bought us from. We all have that sin nature inside of us. We have all missed the mark, which is what sin actually means in Hebrew, missing the mark. We are all unable to get to heaven on our own. It's impossible. We cannot give ourselves eternal life. And we know that scientifically because we all die. Unfortunately, that is the case. We cannot give ourselves eternal life. But God can give us eternal life. He is the life giver. He created life. He created everything. So he is able to give life. And sin gives us death. So we have to choose. Do we want to take Jesus's sacrifice who bought us from that sin nature, that death giving nature that we have all clung to at one point or another, or we can take that free gift and have eternity forever with Jesus Christ. We can have life forever. And this is what Jesus is saying. He becomes the servant and gives his life gives himself 
as a payment for our sins. He buys us back from that sin nature that we all chose. Since Jesus is our model of who we're supposed to live by as Christians, since Jesus is the model, we are supposed to model Jesus in the same way. We are supposed to become like servants, not lording our dominance and authority over other people, but rather becoming like Jesus, becoming like a servant who serves other people. And you know, I used to be the worst servant in the world. I'm not even joking. I was a horrific servant. I was a very, very selfish, selfish human being and very lazy, actually. It wasn't until 2018 that I kind of changed a little bit. I mean, I'm still not perfect, obviously. I still tend to uh, be lazy sometimes and I still tend to uh, not want to do stuff and um, I am certainly very lazy also when it comes to my family. I know that and I'm trying to break out of that habit but I used to be a terrible, terrible servant and my husband and I used to get into fights all the time because he was always a pretty good servant. He enjoyed serving. He liked doing stuff at the church. He was a great servant when it came to my family and his own family and just he was a good servant. So we'd get into fights because I'd be super lazy and I'd be like, you know what, Garrett, I'm fine. I sing at the church every other week. I play piano every other week. I'm fine. I I serve at the church. I'm good to go. I don't need to do more. I don't want to do more. And 2018 hit and I had a huge paradigm shift. And I don't even know how I had that huge paradigm shift, but I did because I became so busy. I was going to school full time at night and working full time in the morning. So I had very little time for myself. And also I hated both things. I hated the job I was at and I hated the school that I was going to. And I didn't like any of the um, the stuff I was learning. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It was kind of a really dumb thing I got myself into that I had a really hard time getting myself out of because I had spent money on school school that I didn't have. So I had to pay for it with this job. So I got stuck. I got stuck in this horrible job and in this schooling. And I couldn't really give up either of the things because otherwise I would have lost a ton of money. So I ended up becoming a very busy person. And somehow during all of that, just my priorities started shifting. I started relying on other people more. And because I was relying on other people more, I wanted to help them out. And I became more of a servant. And people tell me now, you know, you do a lot. And yes, I, I do do a lot. I enjoy doing stuff. And it's a huge, huge change from where I was in 2018. That's only three years ago. So it's just, it's just funny how much happier I am now that I am doing more servant-like things. I am so much more happy. And I think God created us to be servants. So Jesus tells us to not serve ourselves, but to be servants. But after this whole speech that Jesus gives to his disciples, they end up traveling and they're going out of Jericho, which was a city. And now a great multitude is following them all over again. But there's these two blind men that are sitting at the road, it says in verse 30, and they hear that Jesus is passing by. So this huge crowd is coming. They're probably like, what's all this? You know, who who's uh, who's coming through our city? So they're probably asking around. Maybe they're hearing the people saying like, oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So they hear that Jesus is coming. And I'm sure they've heard all of the things about the miracles that Jesus had done. So they start crying out to Jesus and they're like, Lord, have mercy on a son of David. And think about that phrase they say to Jesus, have mercy on a son of David. They know who Jesus is. They know 
that Jesus is the Messiah. They are calling him the Son of David, which is another name for the Messiah. They are saying, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on us. They are giving him full praise and full recognition for who he is. And the multitude is angry at them. They're yelling at these two blind men. What, gr- what a great group of people. And they're like, be quiet. We don't want to hear your voices. But they're not deterred. And they're crying out even more. Lord, have mercy on a son of David. And they're crying and crying and crying, waiting and hoping that Jesus is going to hear them. And because this might be the only time they ever have contact with Jesus ever. So they're crying more and more and more, Lord, have mercy on us. So Jesus stands next to them, or actually it says he stood still in verse 32, and he called to them. So he wasn't really close to them. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that an interesting statement? Jesus knew these two men were blind. Of course, he knew what they wanted. (laughs) Who wouldn't know what they wanted? They wanted to be healed of their blindness. Jesus has healed so many people. Of course, he knew that they wanted to be healed of their blindness. But yet he still asks them, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that interesting? You know, a lot of people ask the question, why should we pray to God if God already knows what we need? Well, this right here. Jesus asked these two men what they needed, even though he knew what they needed. So we should be praying to God for what we need because God wants to hear from us. Firstly, God wants a relationship with us and God wants us to tell him our needs. That is very clear in scripture. It says, cast all of your anxieties and all of your cares on God's shoulders because he hears you and he loves you and he wants to hear from you. We need to pray to God, even though he already knows what we need, because We have that relationship with God. God knows everything, but it's still important for us to recognize that we need God by praying to him. So it's it's just a really interesting statement that Jesus says and a great answer to anybody that asks, why should we pray to God if he already knows uh, what we need? So in verse 33, they answer Jesus. They're like, Lord, we want to see. Please heal our eyes. We want to be able to see. And Jesus was moved with compassion, is what it says. He touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received their sight, and they followed him. That's a great end to this chapter. These two blind men followed Jesus. They became disciples. They probably had very little and realized that they have now seen everything that they could possibly need. It was Jesus. That was what they needed. And so they followed Jesus. And I do believe it's actually pretty clear in scriptures that Jesus had a lot more disciples than just the 12. The 12 were the main ones, but Jesus probably had a lot of disciples and a lot of followers, both men and women. And so these two men became more of Jesus's disciples and they followed Jesus. So friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you enjoyed Matthew chapter 20. But I do have an exciting announcement. My app is finally getting created, which is super exciting. The P40 Ministries app will be available very soon on uh, Google Play. So I'll let you guys know more about that when that uh, finally happens. But that is off getting um, created right as we speak. So I will let you guys know when that is completely finished. I'm just so excited about it. It's going to be such a great way for you guys to have all of the content on P40 Ministries on that app. 
So it's going to be really, really exciting for me and for you guys to just have all of P40 Ministries content in one location so that you don't have to uh, go through all sorts of crazy things. You can just download the P40 Ministries app and there it is every single morning. So I'll let you guys know more about that in the future, but thank you all of you for being so supportive of P40 Ministries, for listening in every single day. I'm very thankful to all of the listeners that I have, and uh, you all are just so amazing and so awesome, and I appreciate all of your support, and I hope that the P40 Ministries podcast is uh, beneficial towards you and that you are learning, and, you know, I'm learning so much, you know. I can't say that I'm an expert in the things that I am reading and talking about, but just researching what I'm reading and teaching it has made me understand so much more about scriptures. I'm so thankful that I have been able to have this opportunity, that God has given me this opportunity to teach the Bible and to understand it and read it. I'm just so thankful for P40 Ministries, what what it's done for me personally. And I hope you guys are also, have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless.